conversation with you has been both friendly and to a degree short but deep as well. I don't think we've ever just had a casual chat, even in the few minutes we've spoken here and there. There's gravitas to the conversation, and I owe that to you. Um, you're very easy to speak with. I've listened to you for years. I've watched you on TV for years. And uh, I know that uh, traffic laws are your thing, so I thought I'd bring my false Metro map <laughs> notepad with me, <laughs> the Metro that was never built. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about, and I'll try to take it into a more unusual route because you've shared your opinion on, on many things, from your Ministry of Interior days to your work in civil society uh, to your ongoing work in decentralization. But I'll start off on an unusual note. Things are very difficult, and it feels like every time we speak more recent years, things get worse. And I know that this is not just us. It's a very crippling and painful time to be in this country. And I'm curious for someone like you, who has many reasons to perhaps be a bit let down, you continue to offer optimism on your terms. And I think the simple fact that you're still engaged in both civil society and, and in politics means that you're not giving up. And I think, uh, I think that's the easier road to take and you're not taking it. So far. So far. Well said. Let's start here. Just the, your emotions, personal, public, your relationship to this country right now on your terms. How is it for you to see this country where it is and still try to navigate this system? Well, let me, let me first uh, tell you how much I'm pleased to have you. Thank uh, you. It's a pleasure. Uh, and every time we speak, it's always uh, a deep conversation. And it's uh, always, yes, short, uh, but short is good sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you may uh, speak for hours and say nothing at all, <laughs> you know. And this is, uh, I mean, many, many would do that. Uh, hopefully we say something tonight then. <laughs> we'll see. Huh? We'll keep it short. We'll see. That we'll was a great episode. <laughs> we'll keep it short. <laughs> so, uh, yes, the country, it's a love-hate relationship, I guess, for all Lebanese people with their country. Uh, I'm one of those. I'm no exception. Uh, I navigate in uh, troubled waters, uh, so <laughs> to speak. Uh, we don't know really how things would evolve, uh, but we always keep uh, hope. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's very smart. Sometimes hope is not rational. Mm. Hope is sometimes uh, a way of uh, uh, some, some sort of resistance to... Uh, uh, to the uh, to the events uh, every time when you cannot really change them yeah. or change the course of events. So uh, I'm not an optimistic person uh, blindly, mm. but I think that I made uh, my mind to stay uh, at least engaged, if not optimistic. Uh, engaged because, you know, when you're 50, um, it's different. Uh, you cannot really restart everything at 50. Hmm. Uh, but at the same time, um, I think that we have a big um, opportunity, even within a crisis, 
the opportunity to do something. Uh, and at least at the end of the day, when uh, your kids would ask you, what did you do? At least you have an answer. You would tell them, well, I, I tried to do something. Maybe I failed. I'm not sure about it. Mm. But take the, uh, when, I, when I served in the interior, there were some failures, definitely. But there were some uh, hope uh, in concrete, meaning there, there were uh, things that happened, actually. Mm. Uh, some breakthrough uh, occurred. Uh, and I'm proud of it because I, I could have said, well, you know, it's complicated. Um, I don't want to go there. Uh, it was a challenge, definitely, coming from not from, the, from within the, the political class, traditional political class, not from a political party. Being an independent person is not easy in politics, especially in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that we need new groups You, uh, we don't need independent people, individuals. We need independent groups, new political parties who could maybe um, make it to the parliament or to, to the government uh, and try to do something. You know, so this shows you just where the conversation is going to go because in one answer you offered so much and there's a lot to unpack there, which I really appreciate. Um, and just by referencing your age, I hope I got it right. You're exactly 51. Yes, 1970. 1970. So that means you were either 37 or 38 yes. when you entered Ministry of Interior. Yeah, true. Younger than me. I'm 40. So I'm trying to imagine myself serving as ministry, Minister of Interior. I cannot expect anyone to do more than the circumstances allow them. And I think the circumstances have been very complicated for a long time in this country. Since 1920. <laughs> Since 1920. But... We'll go into the into those years because they're important, obviously. Yes. It would be strange to avoid them. But I want to go back a bit further <clears throat> because I don't think enough is known about where your curiosity or even your enthusiasm for civic duty comes from. I, I know the basics. I know that you're, well, you studied law and you're obviously a product of the Civil War by your age and by that you graduate in the early 1990s from San Joseph. So, they do. Yeah. so just after the Civil War ends, <clears throat> you're entering a profession, and this is following a 15-year Civil War, and I think I'm going to assume you have no memories of life before the war, or they may be fleeting at best. No. You've witnessed, I think, a roller coaster ride from post-war mm -hmm. reconstruction, Syrian occupation, political stagnation, all that came in the early 2000s, 2005, and then your entry into the limelight in 2008. I can't imagine what it's like to be in your shoes to see Lebanon change so much. And in those years, you're helping establish something like LADE. Yes, I was one of the founders. You're one of the founders, and I've... I think NLTA, the Lebanese Transparency right. Association. Was it that you were the secretary general of that group Lady. for, for yeah. that? Yeah, so by 2004 or so, yeah. around then. So the, you're invested before you enter politics and you're heavily involved in civil society. But that's politics as well. So that, that you're exactly, and that's really my question here. In a way, another way of doing politics. Well, okay, so let me ask you in a in a more constructive way, because you're going exactly where I'm going, and I want to really understand something. 
You've done work on decentralization, on electoral reform. You've helped commission the Butros Commission, or you worked in the Butros Commission. Yes. You're, you are civil society. You're also, in my opinion, among the least likely ministers of interior in Lebanon's history. And I would take it a step further. I think someone like yourself or even Rayel Hassan, these are not the kind of people that you imagine entering that position. She's from the finance and economics world. You're from civil society. But in a way, it's almost that you've seen two sides of the story. You've seen attempts at reform, and you've been inside the system itself. So at this stage, when you look back, is the onus on civil society to keep pushing through? Or is the onus at this point not in civil society's court, but anyone that enters the halls of power, that it's their obligation to see problems and see them maybe clearer than before? And I don't want to, I don't want to maybe touch on two sensitive issues right now, but I'm, what I'm getting at is it seems like civil society is exactly where it was, regardless. And you would think at this point, maybe it's not their fault. Maybe it's circumstances that are beyond their control. So whatever you can take from that, because you've had an illustrious career on both ends of the spectrum. You know... Cut. When, when, <laughs> when you go back to, uh, to the early years of university and when you start understanding how it works in Lebanon, I don't pretend that I really understand how it works. Hmm. Nobody does. Uh, it's so complicated that we don't really know if it works anyway. Hmm. And uh, I, I do believe that the system is not working. It's not functioning. And this is one of the main issues we, we're facing. Uh, since many decades, it's it's not new. Mm-hmm. It's not after the revolution. It's way be- before. Uh, when you enter, uh, when you're part of the system, you're part of of it in a way, but you're not you're not one of those who are in the system. So you deal with the system if you're serving as minister, mm. but it doesn't mean, nevertheless, that you're part of it. So I like very much to do the distinction mm. between serving as a minister, serving the country, serving the citizens, and being part of the system. I, I do pretend that I, uh, I've never been part of the system. Uh, why? Because I'm coming from elsewhere. Because I'm coming from the civil society uh, culture. Mm. Uh, but civil society is not political, meaning... Uh, civil society would uh, do campaigns, would maybe advocate for electoral reform. This is political, right. but it's not politics in the way that we, we know. Mm. So coming from uh, a reformist, uh, so to speak, um, uh, uh, circle, uh, ending up part of what the system does is not easy. And uh, many times uh, I, I was uncomfortable, hmm. to, to be very honest, between what I think and how I think and the background I'm coming from and what I was dealing with. So you're, 
you're trying to introduce reforms and you have a huge resistance from the traditional political class, traditional, which uh, works uh, based on interests. Uh, and, and if you're very naive, you would be very frustrated and, uh, uh, and angry. Uh, and if you're very smart, you'd be frustrated and angry as well. So, uh, so you're frustrated and angry. Anyway, your frustra- <laughs> frustration is is key. Here, yeah. Huh? yeah, yeah. How to deal with it? Sometimes you you tell yourself, say to yourself, "Well, I wish I was not there." But you know what? Can I, I wish I didn't know how it how yeah. how ugly it is. But at the same time, uh, you have to do your job, and I I can I can say. Um, proudly that I didn't have to do any concession um, on principles. So you navigate, mm. yes, you, ne- you navigate between, uh, I mean, what needs to be done, but without necessarily um, uh, transforming yourself into someone else. But let me, okay, I'd like to dissect two examples, and they're actually... I think appropriately from two chapters of your career. And I hope I'm not speaking on your behalf here, but that's the way I understand it. You're working very hard with the Butros Commission. Yes. And this is the Fuad Butros. This is the former foreign minister Fuad Butros. I think it's 2005. 2005. Yes, 2005. So this is the Fuad Senora government that emerges after the 2005 elections. The Fuad Senora government appointed the this blue ribbon yes, commission exactly. um, yeah. with many i mean uh, it's just you it's experts, paul salem nawaf salam yeah exactly uh, i mean I'm, I'm mentioning paul salem and nawaf salam and many others mm. who were great in the commission who did uh, a lot but i'm mentioning uh, my two friends nawaf and paul because the three of us were founders of ladi so right. this you, is where we were coming from exactly. and we imported if you wish right all the ideas into the commission. So that's ex- that's the best introduction to what I'm hoping I ask it in a way that makes sense. That's years and years of your own life spent on electoral reform. The 2000 elector- electoral law, It's in, in a way it's an attempt at revising that law and improving it, rethinking electoral laws in this country, which is in itself is a painstaking adventure, but you you go down that road. Um, You're involved with Transparency International. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, it's LCPS at some point as well, where Paul Salem is involved too. So there's a lot of of time and energy spent. Yes. At the time when when I was also working as a lawyer to make ends meet. I mean, this was uh, totally uh, a pro bono thing. And uh, this is civic duty. And this is yes. a civil society member who's taken... Much needed, and, and I should have done it anyway. But my here's the caveat in my mind. All of that work dies with the July 2006 war. Even if it's picked up, even if it, the skeleton remains. But that's, a, that's something beyond your control. Yes. The July 2006 war is not in your hands, in Paul Salem's hands. But it's not only about the, the war. Could you okay? So let's focus in a bit. Uh, say as much as you'd like. Would you argue that the reasons it was not, the reasons it didn't carry on, has to do with other issues as opposed to the July War? Definitely. So the July War is just 
adding to the problem rather than it's adding to the problem it's mm. a it's a reason it's a maybe major event that mm-hmm. made things mm-hmm. more difficult than they were yeah but uh, no i think that the uh, the political class didn't like much um, the reforms that were proposed uh, because somehow uh, you're asking uh, many of them i wouldn't like to generalize but many of them you're asking them to go home or to do to do things differently take for instance the the, the pre-printed ballot yeah in 2008 it was a huge thing to introduce the pre-printed ballots i remember i went to the parliament the day of the discussion of the law with 128 uh specimen printed <laughs> with the photos and names and yeah. and MPs were happy to see it. I mean, they were maybe amused to see that, well, it's nice. And it was the, the morning session, uh, and we were supposed to resume in the afternoon. I went back to the office, two members of parliament, each belonging to a different political group, came to see me, unannounced, to tell me you should withdraw this proposal. Let me, let me interrupt you uh, politely, because I want to interject at this time frame. The reason I'm focusing on 2006, as opposed to when you're already assuming control of the Ministry of Interior, there's that window where the governments have changed, circumstances have changed. The July 2006 war, in itself, indirectly perhaps, but the consequence is that the government formed that commissions the Putros commission is deemed illegitimate by one team no not necessarily you're you're skipping uh, Doha agreement well, that's my point so that 2006 to 2008 the commission doesn't go further the Doha agreement creates new circumstances of course right so and new understandings between or among political groups exactly so that's that's my question though is it Someone like you has to navigate those waters. But let's remove something like that burden on your shoulders. Do you still think that the electoral law, you're, the, the work you were doing, do you still think it would have been shelved regardless, despite those bigger circumstances? Maybe not. But at the end, when, um, when members of parliament would have to vote, mm. Uh, I'm not sure that they would uh, they would have uh, voted differently mm, mm, mm. because it's um, it's cultural in in their mind most of them uh, wouldn't really go uh, and the, the fact is that since 2005 um, the reforms that were introduced or accepted or uh, adopted were minor mm. compared to what we proposed in the Butos Commission take for right. instance the yeah. The Independent Commission. Yeah, we ended up with a supervisory supervisory uh, commission or committee uh, without much uh, uh, prerogatives. Uh, so, um, if you compare what was proposed in 2005, bearing in mind that that what was proposed then was already part of the literature of Lade and company, yeah, uh, and the bigger picture of the so- civil society. Uh, advocacy, um, 2017 or even 2008 was not was nothing compared to uh, to the proposed amendments and reforms. So all of these things are contributing to the difficulties 
people like you are experiencing, I'm assuming. It's not just... I don't take it personal. Right. Yeah. I don't take it personal. I look at the bigger picture. Right. Uh, and I believe that um, um, who, who are losing the opportunity of having something different? Smaller groups... Um, minority, political minority, mm, mm, minorities, mm. because every time we, we say minority, we think confessional, sectarian. No, we have political minorities. Mm -hmm. We have uh, gender issues. Mm -hmm. We have uh, the younger generation unable to uh, to make it to to the parliament or, yeah. or to anywhere else because of the system. So yes, we have a a big issue related to the system. But at the same time, we have issues um, on smaller things. But let us agree that the, 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 electoral, the electoral law is not minor. It's no, not, of course. It's not yeah. a minor thing. No, no, actually. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's the basis. Yeah, of, course. You know, of course. That's why I think that the reform here uh, is more difficult, but it's, it will happen. I think it's a matter of time. So let's take the, the printed pre-printed ballots, for instance. It didn't happen in 2008, mm. but they had to do it in 2017. Right. So it's it's delayed, but to a... a it's delayed, but it will happen. It will, okay. So I'm glad you... I'm you, positive about this. I'm also glad that you, in a way, you... In a, in a sense, it's correcting maybe lexicon. The way you defined yourself as a minister of interior, I like that. You're still an independent voice and independent mind and you're coming from civil society you're not a career politician so i'm glad that you said this earlier and i'm i'm back to the civil society and you're back but mind you when i was in in office i said i'm not civil society anymore but you cannot be minister of interior sure and pretend being civil society this is contradictory contradictory but you're also i think I mean, this is a subjective opinion, and I know it's shared. You're probably the most appealing Minister of Interior Lebanon has had in recent history, if not in history. You're, you were very on the ground. Um, I mean, this is going back years now, but I remember seeing you leaving your entourage, and you were doing things that were unusual and in a positive way. You were even explaining sometimes to reckless drivers the need to drive safely. But without, without a camera. Without it, yes, yeah, yeah sorry. I and mean, I, this yeah. is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because not, it was, it was yeah. not about uh, you know showing off sure, what you're but, doing. Sometimes you need to do it. Sure, to show off. And it would but, leak but, on the news. But the 47 later. times when I went at midnight, yeah, and in order to be next to the police, next to yeah. the internal security forces, on camera, or off camera, it was very appealing to a public that was not used to someone from civil society. In a very important ministry. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the tone you entered with and the tone you stayed in. And you served in two governments. But the reason I wanted to bring up the first example of someone like you and, and others in your, in your shoes trying to navigate electoral reform, the other example in my mind, and you've said a lot on it, we don't have to go that far into it. You don't you you resign but you don't you don't resign for reasons that have to do with your own individual choices you're resigning because in a way anyone in your shoes at that point if they're going to stick their head up further they're going to be in the crossfire 
and I think you you resigned at that time. It was a very, it was a delicate time, and a lot has been said already about the ISF and Shabban Nahas and, and your role in the middle. But that's my point, really, which is even when you're in office, there's not much more you can do because of the circumstance. Now, is that paradigm a fair way of looking at somebody in civil society and someone serving the state? That there's a constraint which doesn't let much happen, even when there are small changes happening slowly, slowly. But we're looking at a, a career that is now over three decades. So, I, And I don't want to sound negative or even... Um, I don't want to make it sound like effort has gone wasted, on the contrary. No, no. I don't think that's the case. But just that there's a built-in, almost like a wall that anyone will crash into. Lessons learned. Hmm. Because one should learn some lessons here. (laughs) Uh, One is it's very difficult to be independent when the polarization is such that you cannot really navigate anymore. Mm-hmm. So for many, uh, my resignation was perceived uh, wrongly, I believe, mm. as a weakness. Mm. Uh, many would have uh, liked me to be more uh, aggressive or uh, refuse to resign, keep doing things. For me, it's, uh, I understand their, their way of seeing things. But they do not know the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the time, I did the utmost I could do. Yeah. Okay? But at the time, I was an independent minister with two parties uh, firing at each other, and you're in the middle, and you're becoming, in a way, uh, a false witness uh, sitting there and unable to do anything. So I tried to do what I had to do, as Minister of Interior, but when I felt that this is uh, uh, mission impossible, Mm. I decided to walk out uh, because I didn't want to stay there without being able to do what what any Minister of Interior should have done, you see? So Mm. I understand people who do not know the the details, and one day will come, not yet, where I, when I would, would be able to share you know, more I've, details. I've it's heard not you say there. this. I'm not there yet. I've heard you say it a few times, mm. so I'm glad you're going to do it on my podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, not now, later. Yeah, later. It's a promise. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Is it no, a promise? But because some things cannot, yeah. I mean, some details which are important, Yeah, but not yet. Uh, the fact is that um, I, when I resigned, it was, a, it was a strong stand in my reading. It was a strong stand saying, well, you know what? You want to do, to do things as ugly as, the, as you're, you're, you're doing them? I'm not part of it. And uh, I refuse to be part of your polarization. I would say some, sometimes stupid polarization because it was not about principles and people's rights. It was about interests. And I didn't want to be part of, of that. Right. So when I resigned, I decided to be out of the system. In general, people would like very much to stay in the system. And when, um, maybe this is the first time I'm, I'm saying this, when in the third, I mean, I was in two cabinets, right. when I resigned, 
there was some talks about the Ministry of Justice, and my answer was no, mm. because I declined politely. Maybe they were not serious enough to offer me this, but I, I didn't want to give the impression at all that I'm trying to find a, uh, somewhere to sit, you know, and, and remain in, in uh, what we call sulta or to, to, be, to be part of the system. So I walked out. Allow me, to, allow me to try to portray it as somebody who's watching. And I, I, I mean, the way so I would see it is geopolitics stops or delays the good work being done in 2005 to 2006. The July war makes it very difficult to keep going at the yes. momentum you're moving. Geopolitics brings you into power. In May 2008, this is not a Lebanese-only affair. And I, I think you would agree with me, at least in terms of the framing, that Doha agreement in itself explains the geopolitical story yes. there. It also brings in Michel Sleiman as president, and you are, in a way, one of his choices, if yes. not his priority, to put you in the Ministry of Interior. My own father is in, a, in the 2008 to 2009 government yes, as well. He was Minister yeah. of Finance. You know, there's a moment I remember. I don't know if this is uh, going to be familiar to you. Uh, you were on TV. I believe it was Jadid. And the, the host was being a bit hard, trying to find out what you would say regarding corruption. And they kept saying, is there corruption in this location? You said, yes. Yes. Is there corruption in that location? Yes. Is there corruption in every location? Yes. You were being blunt about deepening, worsening corruption. And the geopolitical story may tie in to the reasons why you're forced to resign. They may not be only petty Lebanese issues. I think there's a common thread here. Now, let me posit a question. Can you be independent in a country where geopolitics determines the bigger story at play? Very tough. It's, it's very difficult to, to, to be independent. No, you, you, can, you can keep your own principles, stay independent. Mm. Nobody would, you know, uh, impose anything on you if you don't wish to follow. Mm. Yeah. But the efficiency of uh, what you undertake, of the tasks that you do, uh, the efficiency is, uh, is at stake. Uh, so you may end up not being able to do and to perform uh, as you wish. I, I remember, you know, I mean, to give an example, uh, in a parliamentary session, I would go with all my files, all my papers, and at some point the speaker tells me, uh, what, this is the closet you're bringing oh. with you? <laughs> I said, yes, because that's, that's how I protect myself. Mm. Why? Because other ministers who are part of political groups, who have members of parliament, they would defend them if any of the present members of parliament um, attacks or uh, says anything, uh, mm. you know, mm. I, I didn't have this luxury. Uh, and so, I had to protect myself mm. by doing things by the book and by avoid, avoiding any anything that could harm uh, this... Um, I mean, my... Um, this profile of being independent. Right. Now, this is the only chance I'll have, I think, to ask you what is probably going to be the most delicate issue. Because I, I want to know your opinion on something that is, uh, for me, it's 
for me, it's hard to see anyone with good intentions uh, able to confront what is, I think, over time shown itself to be one of the most important contributing factors to Lebanon's political paralysis. Um, I don't think, I mean, I think it would be naive to assume at this point that ignoring the geopolitical component, and I'm honing in now on Hezbollah, that there is much that can be done so long as that issue is left as it is. And I will speculate here, and I, this is where I'd like your opinion, that this is a common thread throughout successive governments, whether it's March 14, whether it's National Unity, Doha 2008, whether it's the second March 14 government, and 2009, you're one of those ministers in that government, albeit not March 14, but you're one of the Michel Sleiman uh, ministers, 2018 elections, the same thing, and quite possibly in May. Is that something that comes to you as a given at this point, that this is a problem that has to be mitigated if someone in your shoes or anyone in your shoes wants to see a reformed functioning state? I, I have to be very honest about this. Um, this, is a, this is something that we know for, for a fact for, for decades. We've been uh, dealing with this uh, fact um, since many years. Mm. Uh, I would ask all those who formed the, the cabinets and the governments repeatedly, uh, why did they do what they did? Mm. Uh, and it's up to them to answer, because as Minister of Interior, I think I, that I managed to do things properly uh, without without any concession whatsoever. Mm, mm. So uh, for me, it was not the issue. Right. Uh, it, it is an issue for, for the country. It is an issue uh, to the extent that the, the, the national dialogue uh, has repeatedly been trying to put it on the agenda, about uh, the declaration, yeah. you yeah. know. So it's that big. But as far as I was concerned... I had to deal with all political groups mm. in order to prepare the elections of 2009 and the elections of 2010. Right. So I was dealing with any political group the same way in order to be really uh, independent and I wouldn't say neutral, but keeping the same distance with everybody. So let me, let And me... it's not me who's saying this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the, the, the monitoring groups in 2009... In all the reports, they all said, "Well, the Minister of Interior was not part, was not partisan for this party or against." So the bigger uh, thing, yes, I do believe that we need to address it. That we need, we cannot keep, you know, postponing uh, this. And it's a Lebanese matter, yes, mm. geopolitical, but it's at the at the start, it's a Lebanese thing. Mm -hmm. We Lebanese should talk together. We she we should try to find solution because it's not only about Vienna uh, discussions or, sure, uh, or sure. negotiations. It's not only about uh, what's happening in Baghdad or Iraq. Yeah. It's also Lebanese. So uh, you know, there I, are two dimensions in this, uh, of course. Uh, in this uh, issue. I'll throw it back to you 
and you tell me if even the question itself is unfair. So I, I, I'll, I'll do this as, as honestly as I can. It's, it's, it should be taken as a given that 2009 is the most successful Lebanese election done. Period. In terms of management. In terms of management I and... I'm personally not satisfied with the money that was spent yeah. in 2005, 9, sure. before uh, 18. Not, why? Because the banking secrecy is still there. And if you go yeah. back to the parliament, Parliament's uh, minutes of meetings um, in, 2009, in 2008, you will see that I was uh, calling for... Um, Uh, for no no banking secrecy on all uh, candidates' uh, accounts, banking accounts, e- even with the that, proposal was uh, was I mean, uh, but even barely with, heard. But even with that huge problem, you still mm-hmm. managed to do something which I think has not been done since a parliamentary election on one day. Yes, that uh, was a challenge. And you succeeded. A big challenge. And I was afraid. I have to, I have to, 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 yeah. to, to confess. Uh, But I think, one MP yeah. a week before the elections, yeah. he went on TV and said, the Minister Andy of Corona. Interior is crazy. No, <laughs> he said, he said uh, I mean, literally, uh, the Minister of Interior is, is crazy. He will never be able to organize elections in one day. And we, uh, and we made it. Not, not, it was not the minister. It was the team. It was the, sure. oh, all no, no, those I, who were involved in, in the process. But you inspired, I think, a lot of citizens, and this is, I think, across the aisle, to a, a functional institution, earlier known for more intelligence work that was not necessarily good for citizens. Instead, you, I think you gave it a cleaner, brighter image, and you shined. Uh, there's an award, I saw it recently online when I was trying to do my research diligently, the UN Public Administration Award or something along yeah. the lines of a... I mean, The UN the, Public Service Award. A public Service First Award. First prize, yes. So this is in 2010. Right, this is not a Lebanese award given to you. This is an international body, the highest international body, acknowledging you did something incredible. You also did no, something... No, no, I'm sorry, I did my job. Really. I'm glad you're saying it this way because uh, you did your I, I job. I did my job only. Then you're among the few. But in Lebanon, when you do your job, uh, people are so surprised sometimes that they would uh, give you awards. Well, then we can take the award back. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I was here then and I just I recall that the smoothness was both unusual and welcomed. You also made it possible and it became official policy, for somebody like Kamel Salibi, prominent Lebanese historian who I used to know. I used to uh, live in one of his uh, old music schools turned student pensions in Hamra. So I got to meet him. And the first encounter I had with Kamel Salibi was his birth certificate framed with his sect dashed out. Yes. So you made it possible to remove religious identity on your Ikhraj Eid. Oh, yeah, on on your registers. On your registry, uh, yeah. On your registry, but it was not only me again. Of course. It was the constitution that allows it. Um, a law of 1933, a work that was done by many, such as uh, Talal Husseini. Um, so I, I was only trying to really translate all the civil society uh, demands and, and, of course. Uh, and call for reforms, wherever I could, 
I really used this pen in order to make it happen. That's all. So I was, I was telling them, please uh, use me in order to introduce the reforms that we've been calling for for many, many, many years. Important reform measures that, were, that you were able to deliver were delivered. And also, I, I remember this, it became easier to register yourself if you were in an NGO, that you could actually declare it. And there's a smoothening of the process yes. that things were moving bureaucratically but efficiently too. Yes, Which and one-stop shop, and I mean, yes, yeah. we, and we, we we try to do many, many what, things in this regard, yeah. What you're well known for is seatbelt checkpoints as well, which were important, but they, it showed that the state was moving, even when they were unpopular for traffic jams. And yes, even unpopular, but was, we were, the message was, we, we, we want to protect you. So the, it was simple, not about, honestly, about fines. The simple uh, fact that there were traffic signals being erected and that there was some measure of traffic safety was so welcomed and so desperately needed. You know uh, that the rate of uh, uh, um, casualties dropped by 57% when we launched this big campaign for 57% uh, for the, uh, as an example, uh, instead of 60 um, Casualties, we had 38, okay, for the same period of time uh, across three years uh, comparison. Um, what does it mean? It means that um, 38 families are, are not crying. Exactly. So for me, it was something, you know. Yes, the internal security forces were doing a lot in terms of uh, fighting terrorism, and uh, they really did very good. And even uh, um, uh, contre-espionage. Uh, so th but at the same time, you could do what would protect people, uh, uh, citizens, from smaller things. If you have, um, I mean, in, in numbers, it was huge. So that's, these are successes that need to be acknowledged. And the way you said it is, is I think... But again, doing my job. You're doing your job. Would it be fair to also <coughs> add to that story that that is the maneuvering space you were given as an independent? Meaning, meaning, it's not a hidden issue. It's upfront. It affects everyone in this country in different ways. Political crimes were the norm in those years, and assassinations happened before, before. you came. And before they, and after. And the culprits were not chased down. Before and after, yeah, it's uh, the judiciary. I'm not. I'm not right. trying to say it's not my job. Yes, it's my job. It's all everybody's job. But you know, I had the chance that throughout the three years that I spent in uh, in Sanaya, uh, we had uh, a very peaceful, so to speak. I think uh, what, what comes to my mind, and uh, this is uh, this uh, is this is from my side. And growth was like eight uh, percent. Yeah. And, so no, no and, and things were looking better for Lebanon in general. Yes. You know, I think it's in those years, things <coughs> that you can't imagine today. Hmm? The New York Times was labeling this country as their number one tourism destination. There was money coming back to the country. Traffic jams were, were due to the fact that we had many tourists and Lebanese right. people coming back. Okay. But this is what comes to my mind. Anyone in your shoes is serving as Minister of Interior, and there have been other Ministers of Interior before, and others after. And none of those political assassinations, none of them, 
are taken seriously. The only ones that are even remotely looked into for a brief period of time are the ones that happened 2004 to But 2005. But why? Let us dig further. Special Tribunal why? for Lebanon. Why? Th- that it wasn't in Lebanon's court. These are investigations okay. done by the UN. Okay. But, but I guess what This I'm asking... This is another story. Let, no, let's no, talk about I, political, political sure. assassinations. But can I just finish the thread please, and I'll let you speak. Please, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because I want to hone in please on one ahead. thing. I know <laughs> it is absolutely unfair to accuse a minister of interior for not doing more when they're not given more authority. I think it is fair to accuse anyone in those shoes that if they want to survive in that capacity, they have to they have to work within that limited terrain they're offered. My understanding okay, you're, you're being kind. Thank you. No, but, but my understanding but no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I would I would say every one of us is supposed to do the maximum he or she can in order to give answers to people. Were you able I, to do anything I, in that, in that, the, in that the world? The main issue that really made me um, very sad was uh, Joseph Sadr when he was kidnapped and I could give his family zero yeah. serious answer. Yeah. This, the, the, the services, I mean, the, the Malumet, uh, the, the army, I mean, everybody tried. I never got any answer. So mm. the Minister of Interior is not the one who does the investigation. Um, but those who are doing the investigation were unable to give serious answers. And uh, up till now, we're unable to give or the, 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 the government or the country is unable to give uh, Joseph Sader's family uh, proper answers after many, many years. And this is frustrating for them and for me. You know, but again, how is the judiciary performing? We have issues. We know for a fact how today uh, Tariq Bitar is trying to do his best. And we know how difficult it is for him, for him and for the families, for the victims uh, to get answers. Um, in a big thing such as the, the Beirut port blast, um, uh, the the security um Uh, Army, ISF, uh, general security. Uh, there are really, I, because I know, I, I witnessed this. We have excellent people there, excellent people. But, and, and many really uh, were able to, to, to succeed in, uh, in fighting crimes and in finding answers. Let me, let me reframe. But when it comes to political assassination, yeah. it's something else. But let me reframe it, and then you say as much as you'd like. And I, I'm sorry to go no, no. further on this, Please. but before you enter office, a very talented intelligence officer, Wissam Aid, is killed. Yes. Months before you enter. Yes. I think his anniversary was just last week. Mm. And gen- yeah, so. After you leave, Brigadier General Wissam al-Hassan yes. is killed. So no ministry is spared when they're doing their ultimate duty. That's what I was trying to say. Right. But that maybe that's what I meant in terms of when you step onto terrain that you're not afforded in this country, you get eliminated. And I wonder if in that conversation, basic reform, I mean, this is state functionality. This is the essence of the state. I can't imagine... In 2022, and I know we're fast-forwarding a bit, with those questions left unanswered, that things would be any different. 
whether it's civil society crowd that enters, whether it's a brand new crowd altogether, that, yes. that there's this this. Props, I agree. Yeah. I agree because you're you're talking here macro. Yeah. Okay. Macro is uh, about the system again. So even no, not the systems yet. Not the system. Not the system. I'm talking about. The I do blame it on the system as well. Okay, then, then we can. It's, if you don't, if you're partially, not, partially, yeah, uh, it's partially the system. I, I will keep this in but with your permission. Politics as well, and I'll keep this in with your permission. If you're not, if you don't want to, I can remove it. It's up to you. I don't think the system killed Wissam Aid or Wissam Al Hassan. Not the system, but the system made it possible for everybody to step in. And make things difficult for Lebanese people. That's how I see it when I say macro. Um, because you don't have a strong uh, central government, uh, a strong army. We have, a, I mean, the army in Lebanon is perceived, is widely, uh, positively perceived. But do we, do we really uh, have a government that can uh, pretend that everything is under control? Definitely not. Why? I'm, I'm, I'm back to the source. The source is the system. I've had this kind of conversation with, with uh, yourself briefly and uh, with others that we both had dinner with not too long ago. Um, I, it was at Mary Claude Nezham's uh, home. And I, there's an entourage there that I think it was it was a fun exchange back and forth. And we kind of went there a bit, whether it's the system or whether it's something that is strangling the system, whether it's an old system that needs to be reformed or a system that was born in error. And I, I think over time... Same result. One matters more, and that the reformists, I think, and I would put you in this camp, the reformists, ha it's not fair to assume reformists have the tools necessary to challenge a giant regional proxy machine. That's, I think, that's part of the reality too. So I see it as somebody doing their job, as you said, or anyone in your shoes, anyone like you, doing their job, but for it to really move on from this nightmare, it's not in Lebanon's court. And I don't know if that's a shared opinion. No, but, I, but, I agree. Okay, so let's let's jump a bit ahead of time and... You've said so much about 2018 that I'm not going to hammer you on this. <laughs> I think I agree in the sense that it's a reality you have to join lists in this country. If you want to run for parliament, it's very difficult to not tag on to lists. And I know that you've said it in different outlets, that you've had your lessons learned. You're not, you don't regret any decisions you took. And I don't blame it on others. And you don't blame Most it on others. But you said something very, very important. I take responsibility. So exactly. And, and if I'm mistaken, I paid the price. So. But I've heard you say something else, which kind of <laughs> it, like a light bulb above my brain. What's left of it? Um, you said that in a way, in a way, you're lucky that you were not exposed, that you were not in parliament or in power in any form, on October 17, 2019. Yes. You've used the word independent many times. <coughs> yes. And I think that is a fair and accurate uh, description. Does that allow more breathing space among other figures that served in different governments? Meaning, the slogans that we heard on October 17, 2019, and the weeks thereafter, 
and the more cautious, more pure purists in October 17 today? Is there perhaps something that's misread in the story that Killon Yani Killon should not include someone like you or should not include others that have served you the know, tribe? You know, I, I don't mind. You really? don't mind? Okay. No, because Killon Yani Killon, I have nothing to hide. Hmm. Uh, be it, uh, yes, Killon Yani Killon, meaning we should all be uh, under um, accountability. Mm. We should mm. all, all be accountable. I don't think that what is meant by Kelon Yani Kelon is whatever you did, you're presumed guilty. No, I don't think that's, mm. the, that's the original meaning. Mm. Uh, so I say, yes. Um, but at the same time, if someone served his country... Um, without being corrupt. Um, I mean, this is uh, something better for the revolution. Why? Because you know the guy, you know that he was subject to corruption, maybe, mm. and he was not corrupt. So uh, it should be okay. So, But anytime, anyway, I understand people in the streets, they were, they were really um, uh, frustrated and very angry. And um, I, I didn't feel... Uh, Concerned by mm-hmm. Kilun Yani Kilun in a way, in a negative way, and I, I said it publicly. I said uh, two things that I wish to to uh, to repeat. One is okay, Kilun Yani Kilun, fair. Let's go to to courts where uh, need yeah, be. I remember, and yeah. two, and two, um, I said I will not go to the street because this is not ours. I was as politicians because we had right. TV stations, yeah. uh, interviews. Uh, no, it's the space is for the people. It's not for politicians, even if someone like me feels that he's getting back to civil society from where he came. Mm-hmm. But being having served my country for three years as Minister of Interior, I said, well, the space is for the people, not for us. So I was very keen on not going to, to the street by respect, out of respect for mm-hmm. the people. And because some of them, for again, I understand them. Some of them would say, "Well, you were part of, of it. You were, and moreover, uh, you were in alliance with uh, the Sulta lists in 2018." Okay, uh, this is a fact. The alliance is a fact. It, yeah. does, it doesn't mean that I lost my independence, uh, and I I didn't make it to to their, uh, you know, uh, blocks, parliamentary blocks. That's why I don't feel uh, concerned by, by, by this. But at the same time, I understand that people do not like all those who are, at some point in time, part of, uh, of the picture. So maybe we have to do what we call in France, uh, in French, uh, traverser du désert. Maybe, maybe I should uh, step back uh, and respect people's voices and choices mm, mm. Uh, that's why um, I'm not anticipating your questions, but maybe 2022 should be, um, uh, uh, I mean, I should maybe not run for parliament in 2022. You've offered a very nice segue into the coming months. And I'm going to assume that your reasons for running along, if we can narrow it down a bit, not necessarily the Sulta list, but it was a one particular party that that may have proven two things. One, it 
perhaps, perhaps moved you from what was deemed more independent yes. under Michel Sleiman's cabinet and Minister of Interior, or even those years before and the years after, to, I don't know if flirting is the right word, but let's say dancing to the tune of a side that you had stepped away from a bit and you were moving forward with. You're not March 8. You're not a Tayyar Watan al-Hur member. You were on a list in Jbeil Kisruin. Same as Michel Mawad. Same as Michel Mawad. 100%. Exactly. So it's, but they are also finding their way to independence on their terms again. Independent uh, identity. Yes. Right. Jump ahead. 2022. I know these are whispers. I know these are rumors. <clears throat> and I know that you've said no to a degree and you've been careful maybe with the way you want to even talk about it. If you were to join the Uwait list <laughs> this round, let's say you did run for parliament and you joined that list. Would that to you be out of necessity like 2018? Or is that even off the table completely? Because my understanding of this rumor mill is these are more words spoken on your behalf than your own words. But they've been shared enough times for me to at least want to know from your side. Would it be the same reasoning that you did in 2018 that if you were to do it now, it's because that's the way the state functions. That's the system. With that's all due respect yeah. to, to all political parties, uh, they have their... Uh, constituencies, they have their mm. people mm. and I respect their people mm. uh, I respect their choices I'm not partisan, I'm not part of any political group traditional political group new political groups <coughs> excuse me I'm close to some of them or most of them uh, and we shared experience, we shared uh, too many things uh, does it necessarily mean that I should run for parliament in 2022. Uh, does it really, is it really a, a destiny that every one who served his country for a couple of years as minister should definitely run for parliament? When I ran in, in 2018, it was because it has its own, I mean, context. But at the same time, it was because I thought, wrongly maybe, that I need a, a popular legitimacy. Mm which I partially got. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm happy with the, vo- with the preferential votes that I got on my own. Mm. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I, will, uh, I have to run for parliament in 2022. Now, to be very honest, this is... Um, uh, 2022 is important, but it's not a goal in itself. So it's not the end of politics, no, not the end of... of mm. a, it's important, yes. Yeah. But the law being what it is and the alliances being what they are and uh, to be very honest, uh, the alternative groups being divided to a large extent makes me think twice before taking the step. Is it uh, even plus, com- if yeah. I'm, mm. I'm going to... Now we're talking in, in end of January. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe... Uh, if something uh, really reformist comes up and um, if we really feel that we're heading towards something 
that could reflect a um, a uh, group of people who who, who share uh, principles and ideals. Uh, yes, maybe why not? But this is this would be my my only I, could, I wouldn't say condition, but th- this is how I would run or not for parliament. And I would prefer to be a strong voter rather than any candidate. But is there even an opportunity for you, let's say you were to run, and the reformists in October 17 were divided until the elections? Is there even the opportunity for anyone in your shoes, somebody who's trying to run as an independent, to run as an independent without tagging along with a list. No way. So does that is that an inevitability? That's why I said yeah. the law being what it is. Right. But proportional I, representation with with uh, uh, blocked lists. And I'm sorry, I don't want to sound like a and, you news know, um, the threshold. I, I wouldn't like to go technical here. Hmm. But if you ask me, I can for hours. I can explain why this yeah. law. I mean, you're the expert bad, on these things. Is yeah. bad for independent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I believe that. Uh, newcomers or alternative groups should really be in uh, in, a, in a very solid alliance in order to to make the breakthrough, and that's why you see that many of them are trying to uh, have some alliances with existing political figures. So I guess what I'm, I'm not I'm not discussing this, but I'm sure. saying that uh, you cannot. I mean, um, I don't like the 1960 law. Okay simple majority but honestly with the 1960 law i would have made it easily to the parliament because on uh, your own on my own yeah. as an independent and without any alliance you see i'm not this, it's not me who's saying this right um but i, I you guess know, I, uh, st- statistics I and but we're not there anymore yeah uh, we're under a, a proportional representation law I am favorable for the proportional representation, but the one single preferential vote is bad. The threshold is very high. In Saida, in 2018, it was 20%. Uh, this is way beyond the, uh, the the international standards. Without trying to make it sound like a news bite or a, a scoop or whatever, just really in terms of the frank reality, if you're not to run with... I'm assuming you will not run with a Tayyar list once more. Does that just make it inevitable that it's either going to be... I will not run with any political party, existing political party, traditional political party. Right. With oh. all due respect. I'm yeah. not I'm not yeah. a judge. I mean... Uh, Even in terms of joining a list that you no. will not... Okay. No. So For many reasons. Right. Political and technical. Because, yeah. you know, when you when you run with uh, with political parties... The pref- their preferential votes would go to their candidates. So you you bring mm. to the to the list, and you get nothing in return. Is that one of those lessons learned for Unless you? Unless you have enough money. Is that for uh, you a lesson? One yes. of those lessons from two thousand eighteen that you don't want to find yourself Absolutely. in those shoes. Absolutely. So it's not respect- Unless it is a yeah. really political campaign mm. uh, with uh, alternative groups, where I can do, I mean, a plus when when I could have an added value. If not. I prefer to be a voter. Yeah. A voter with I mean vocal and uh, and able to assist and help in rather than being a candidate with uh, nothing much uh, in 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 his hands. I appreciate you even letting me go down this road anyway because it's those whispers that make me more curious if it's more to do with the the fait accompli that someone has to join a list and it doesn't even it opens the door to 
independence joining list they may not even want to join to begin with. And that maybe in those conversations... I think that independent, uh, independent people who... Uh, who are who are thinking of it should uh, look at what happened with me yeah. and uh, and decide accordingly. That's well said. I, I'll wrap it up, Ziad, with something that's a little more academic, not so emotional or romantic. Your whole, I mean, there's so much literature on decentralization, and I think that word is often misunderstood. Yes. I think people link it to other words, and maybe they don't fully appreciate what it's supposed to do. I've even heard people linking it to federalism and almost like um, a cantonization that I don't think is there. It's about administration and about better administration. So from your entrance into this world until today, is decentralization to you still a pillar that hasn't been erected? that we're not there, but we need to get there. Has your, has your prioritization on this issue shifted at all? Or is it still something that you want to confront? I still believe, and more and more, uh, that uh, decentralization is a much-needed reform. Uh, first, because it's about democratic participation, a wider participation. Second, because... Uh, it will lead to um, better services in, in, in the whole country instead of relying only on the central government. And three, third, it will uh, make Lebanon more united, which is uh, uh, totally opposed to what many would think. Why? Because as you mentioned, they some would mix between uh, federalism and decentralization, mm-hmm. knowing that federalism is not a curse. Yeah, uh, federalism is is a way of it's a form uh, of governance exactly yeah. within a, 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 a one country, yeah, yeah, one yeah. one state. Sure. So okay, I know in Lebanon how it works. I know how uh, people would uh, use words in order to, I mean, uh, to to lead. To, I mean, to go beyond the word to somewhat to something different. But for me, decentralization since Taif Accord, since 1989, is not contro- or should not be controversial anymore, uh, because it was an agreement uh, that um, decentralization is is good for everybody, and decentralization is as Khalid Qabani, who's someone I, I I trust a lot and I respect a lot. He was very, he was one of those who participated in Taif, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and. Uh, he uh, he wrote it and he said it publicly. Um, since Taif, decentralization is the only way of uh, dealing with diversity within one uh, unified country. Did he have anything? So no partition. He didn't mention federalism, maybe yeah. directly, or maybe he did. But yes, federalism. If Lebanese people are are. Uh, in agreement with uh, with the federalism, okay, why not? But, did but, he, but did he, they it? are they agreed on decentralization. So my stand here is the following: I I uh, totally understand that people would call for federal or some people would call for federalism. They shouldn't be blamed. It's it's their right, their constitutional right. But at the same time, today decentralization is um, unanimously uh, accepted. 
or has been accepted since Taif, we have a draft law. The parliament spent, uh, the, the commission spent 63 uh, uh, meeting discussing it, so it's ready to go. Yeah. That's why I believe that we need to, uh, to once and for all, to have decentralization, but with enough resources. Because the last discussion that we witnessed lately, la Merkazia Malia, financial decentralization, I mean, if you have the, the best decentralization ever without uh, financial resources, yeah. it's useless. So, Baleha. Can I take it in a slightly different direction? And this is decentralization being the bigger, bigger word. And you mentioned Ta'if and that it's, it's just something that hasn't happened. It's long overdue. Is decentralization and things in Ta'if, in addition to decentralization, like the Senate, yes, things like that, is that goal really to mitigate sectarianism but allow for power sharing to modernize? Is that the wider goal here? And I, I, Should be, yes. Right. But, you know, 32 years after Ta'if, or 33 years, um, we should at least have... Uh, in evaluation, we should at least see what what went well, what did not work. It were I mean, the Senate and and decentralization were not even applied. Right. Uh, once it's implemented, we'll see. And 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 most importantly, one should see how both would be implemented. Now, uh, being sectarian, I mean, the Senate being sectarian, it was their own way of mm-hmm. seeing things. Yeah. Maybe I. I have another way of seeing it, but it's a transition. I read it as a transi- as a constitutional transition, and even this transition is not allowed. Has so, not been allowed for for uh, thirty two years. So to wrap it up with the lo- last question and maybe the most critical one in this journey. You've been in this world for thirty two years, for the better part of three decades. This is the world you live in. Does the onus go on Lebanese? trying to figure things out or does it go to the geopolitical nightmare that persisted after the civil war perverted politics under syrian rule proxy-like status quo that has led to dire situation including permanent paralysis violence port blast that does not happen accidentally ammonium nitrate doesn't just simply appear in a port in 2700 tons of it that this is beyond beyond reformists and there are so many reformists in this country that are frustrated and angry and you said it really well earlier you have to be frustrated and angry whether you're in power or in civil society but that the burden is not on someone like you it's on things that are just too difficult for for reformists to tackle the burden is on our kids Uh, we're i mean we're badly managing the situation to the extent that we'll end up uh, offering our kids, I mean, meaning the new generation, more problems to, to deal with. Mm. Uh, but to answer your question, it's all of the above. Um, it's a combination of all of this. Now, uh, in Arabic, we say, نَحْنَ <laughs> uh, meaning, yes, I do blame myself to start with, and all my fellow citizens that maybe we should have made different choices. Maybe we should some at some point in time admit that we 
had our share of mistakes, bad choices, bad management. But yes, at the same time, if you want to put some, uh, I mean, to, to make it lighter, you would say, well, we're in this part of the world where everything is difficult. Uh, one scholar once uh, wrote something about the, uh, uh, the stability in Lebanon between 1920 and, uh, and 2000. And, uh, and she, uh, this, she discovered that the, the average stability is always less than four years. Take, for instance, uh, independence, 1943. Four or five years later, you have the Nakba in Palestine. So a, a very young mm-hmm. state, mm-hmm. in uh, the Lebanese state, yeah. five years later, uh, after independence, the Nakba, the huge Nakba. Uh, two or three years later, Bashar al-Khuri stepped down. Uh, a couple of years later, the, the, the 1958 revolution, yeah. Yeah. 1961, the coup d'etat of the 1967 Naksa after the Nakba, uh, and then the war, 1969 uh, Cairo agreement. So... We, we, we really uh, didn't have the chance to, to, uh, to find a couple of years of stability in order to, to, uh, to assess the... Uh... Anyway, uh, I, I think that, uh, yes, we had this geopolitical uh, uh, problems, uh, mainly, mainly the, 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 the Palestinian uh, uh, cause, uh, and Lebanon paid uh, a very high price on this. But at the same time, Mishainin, we mismanaged and we, uh, we could have made better choices. Now, it's not too late. And to end with, with a positive note, I think that the crisis of uh, the uh, starting 2019, the banks, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, all what came after, afterward is an opportunity uh, because uh, we have to, to, to change uh, the... Uh, the model that we were uh, mm. uh, living uh, 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 according to, uh, and we we should really uh, think that Lebanon can stand again, but provided we have a, a solid basis to to. So far, it's not the case. That's why I'm saying 2022 spring. Uh, May uh, May 2022 elections are important, but they are not the only important thing that we should do. So, yeah. yes, we need a change. We need to make a breakthrough. It won't be maybe huge, but whatever it is, it's good. Whatever the numbers are, it's good. Mm. It's a good start. Mm. But we should do a lot in parallel. We should have a good government that can really take things in hand and, and uh, strongly uh, perform. Uh, we need to see what to be done with uh, with the IMF uh, in a way that you know uh, the Lebanese way of doing business uh, wouldn't harm the process and <laughs> vice versa. A lot has to be done. Decentralization maybe could be one of of those. And let us think the system or rethink the system in a constitutional way, because my fear is if we end up unable to have elections, unable to uh, parliamentary elections, unable to elect a president. And if the parliament uh, finds itself unable to extend its own term, which any extension would be 
unconstitutional. I agree. But let us imagine no elections, no extension. So uh, vacuum. And then what? Um, what we call Muqtamar Ta'sisi, a new... Yeah. A new uh, we'll see. But even that, we should be prepared. Uh, we Lebanese should be prepared to, ha- to take the best out of this, uh, out of the problems that we're facing, actually. I appreciate several things you just outlined. One, that the task needs to be done regardless. Reform is essential with or without geopolitics interfering. And I'm glad that you've also outlined, in a way, the frustration someone like you faces now, we're all facing, and that we're living through a very uh, crippling political era. On top of that, and I think this is maybe a point of a point of disagreement, perhaps, but it's it's fine. I don't think the goal at hand is feasible the way we want it to appear long term. So long as issues like geopolitics and the collateral that it has on Lebanon, whether it's in the 1970s, which tore this country apart, whether it's in the 1990s and 2000s, which eroded politics severely, or where we are now. I mean, you walk around Beirut in 2022 and some neighborhoods look like it's a war zone, as opposed to 32 years after the civil war. I can't imagine the noble goal happening in our lifetime as long as those issues are they're out of our reach. And I don't know what we can do more than, than what's been done in terms of trying to find a way out locally. You, you mentioned it very quickly, but it's important. The Ba'abda Declaration was, I think, the closest we could get to national consensus on neutrality. One group signs on to it, and then hours later is heavily involved across the border. And then reformists are still expected to do the long job ahead. To me, there's a dichotomy there. Yeah, you're right. But we have no other choice but do both in parallel. Yeah. Because... Yeah, there might be some intersections, but I would I would say let's do our job, our internal job, mm. our homework, mm. and then we'll see if there's any intersection that we can take mm-hmm. benefit out of it. Yeah, then be it. I I no, you know, it's weird. I don't have any uh, information whatsoever, any reliable information on on this, but I feel that somehow. We'll, we'll be able to have this intersection of uh, in, in the best interest of Lebanon, mm, mind you. Mm, mm. So, so uh, let's mm. do our homework, because if we're not ready and, and it happens, well, we won't be ready. That's why I believe that we have a lot to do internally. Mm. Mm-hmm. We have to, be, uh, to insist on uh, high levels of transparency, on higher levels of good performance, uh, of accountability, for the future, not only for the past. For me, the past, yes, we have to deal with it, definitely. But we have also to say, well, we're starting now a new era where 
things should not work. Uh, business, should, business should not be as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when you take, for instance, the, uh, the procurement law, the new procurement law, for me, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a good start, mm-hmm. you know, because we're, we're, heading, we're doing our homework. Yeah. So if the international community, of, if the friends of Lebanon wish to help and assist, we'll meet them halfway. Uh, yeah. My concern is that somewhere we won't be able to meet halfway. So yes, let's do all the. Let's get ready. Let's get prepared for all the reforms for our own sake, not for the sake of the IMF or the World Bank or for our own sake for 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 our children. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we'll see geopolitics. Yes, it's uh, it's there since uh, day one. Uh, okay, we'll see how to navigate how to maneuver uh, accordingly but i cannot say today in january uh, 2022 i cannot tell really what would be the outcome of vienna talks for instance mm. Mm. but does it mean that we stop everything in uh, in the wait yeah well th- those two words navigate and maneuver i think for better or worse every player in this country is doing that Some are doing it for the right reasons. Some are doing it for Lebanon's sake. Others are doing it for maybe more calculated, more regional uh, interest. But I think I I agree with the long-term sentiment that you need to have the tools available, apply them as much as you can when things improve down the road. When the time comes, yes. And if it's not our generation, it's the kids' generation, but it'll happen eventually. You know, some reforms, if they were started 10 years ago, take electricity, for instance. Yeah. What a mess. Thank you for letting me go down memory lane a bit with you. You're a needed voice in many ways, but most importantly, it's the perspective you have as an independent figure And as somebody who's done a lot of work in civil society and somebody who did navigate and maneuver a very important ministry in this country for three years, and uh, you've retained a lot of the popularity that you had in those years, I think uh, very few people I speak with when I mentioned that I was doing this episode, they were all very eager to hear your words. Your your words are still listened to and listened to I hope they will not get bored. After, I, I doubt it. Listening. I doubt it. And it's because, if anything, I'll have to edit myself out. And <laughs> no, nobody's no, going to don't. No. <laughs> because, you know, the conversation is uh, what I like in this, uh, in what we did, is the conversation. Because it's not, yeah. I mean, the question, your questions are also uh, sometimes uh, about statements. Um, yeah. No, but I, I let, Or I, you reflect what people would uh, would have in mind so uh, thank no, you for uh, and thank you for letting me apply a bit of electricity and friction because i think it brought out a good uh, hour and a half or so between us thank you ziad thank you thank you ronnie